0: All right. Let's get started. Good morning, guys. Good morning, friends. We are going to get started the breakout, escaping the cycle of worry. Hopefully, you're in the right place. If you're worried about whether you're not in the right place, you're in the right place. Uh, if you guys don't know me, my name is Brian Parker. I work as the team leader for the Lehigh Valley campuses in Disciple Makers. Yes. And I'm married to my beautiful wife, Liz Parker. He's going to be joining us in a little bit. have five amazing little kiddos at home and uh, I'm excited to, to jump into this topic with you guys. I, uh, I feel like this topic, friends, worry, anxiety. Uh, I don't feel like needs much of an introduction simply because if you're human, if you're sitting here, likely it's something that uh, you struggle with, something that affects you right? whether that's something where you're just stressed out about something coming down the road, or maybe even something where you have panic attacks, right? There's just a whole spectrum of what worry and anxiety can look like. And so thankfully, Jesus, in the Gospels, particularly the Gospel of Matthew, addresses this very topic. He addresses it, and I think he gives us hope, and he gives us resources, and and a lot of promises in the midst of it. I'll be very upfront with you guys. I I struggle probably most days with worry. Uh, I worry about things like, am I going to get my work done on time? Am I going to do a good job with my work? Uh, I worry about what people think of me. Right? What does that guy think of me? What does that girl think of me? Do they like me? Did I, did I do something silly where they don't like me anymore? I worry about stuff happening to our family. We have five little kids, and I can worry about, you know, will something tragic happen to them where it'll change the course of our life? I worry about those kind of things. How about you guys? I, I worry about like silly things too, but they feel like big things in the moment. So I'm in a fantasy football league. Anybody have fantasy football in the house? I worry about Cooper Cup. How's he going to do this week, right? If he's I, and I, I get anxious about that. I find myself checking the app. And I'm telling you, I just, I worry about so many things. And so what's so helpful is Jesus in our passage. If you want to turn to your packet, page 22 and 23, we're going to read our, pa- our passage in a moment. But, but worry, it, it often feels like this unwelcome house guest, right? And they just show up to your house. They plop themselves down and you have no clue when they're leaving. And you're just like, what do I do? And often the paralysis sets in. How do I get them to leave? What do I do in the midst of this? How do I move forward when I'm worried, when I'm anxious? And one of the worst things, if maybe you can relate to this, one of the worst things you can tell someone who is worried or anxious is this. Don't worry about it. Has that ever been helpful advice? Just don't worry about it. Oh, okay, I wish I would have thought of that because now I, right? Usually you're more worried because now you're worried that you're worrying too much. And you're like, that's just not a helpful phrase. So what Jesus is going to do for us this morning is he's going to show us two things. One, he's going to get to the root of why you and I worry so much. What is it that drives our worry? What's, what's going on kind of underneath the surface? But then he's going to do a second thing, which is this, like a, like a sponge filled to the max with water. He's going to saturate us with promises from God that enable us to move forward even in the midst of our worry. So that's where we're heading this morning. Uh, I want to be very clear as we begin. uh, You might have guessed this. I am not a medical doctor. I'm a missionary with disciple makers, which means I'm not gonna offer medical advice this morning, right, when it comes to things like medication or therapy or counseling. Those those have their place when it comes to worry and anxiety. And if that's something that, that you've thought about or are wrestling through, I'd really encourage you this morning, talk to someone, talk to a family doctor. Right? Talk to parents or talk to somebody on campus who can guide you in that way. We're not going to really go that route this morning when it comes to worry and anxiety, though there is a place for that. What we're going to focus on this morning, though I think wherever you are in terms of your, your story and your experience when it comes to worry is that Jesus' his words are timeless and true, and they really give us hope in the midst of our worries. So let me pray for us, and then we'll just dive in together. Let's, let's pray. God, thank you that you are a God who we've, we've already seen this weekend comes close God, you don't don't stay at arm's length when it comes to our struggle and our pain, and particularly our our anxiety and our worry. God, you say in your word to cast all our anxieties on you. Why? Because because you care for us. And so I pray this morning as we look at this topic, I pray that you would fill our lives with hope and courage and wisdom as we navigate what what often feels very tricky and very um, paralyzing, which which is anxiety and worry. Would you guide us now? and help us to see more of you in your promises. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me read for us our passage. This is uh, from Matthew chapter 6, uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' most famous teachings. This is what Jesus himself says, starting in verse 19. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven And despise the other, you cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they?" First thing we see Jesus do, so helpfully in this passage, this is the first point on your outline, Jesus reveals to us the, the heart or the roots behind our worry. In fact, Jesus assumes that you and I are going to worry. Did you catch it? Verse 25, he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. But didn't we just establish those words, don't worry about it, are the most unhelpful words. How can Jesus being the the, the creator and and savior and and ultimate wise one, how can he say those words? Don't worry about your life. Well, he's assuming you've understood what's come before it. Verses 19 through 24, whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, it's like this big flashing arrow. Look what just came before it. Look what just came before it. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna jump back to the first half of the passage and understand what is driving our worry. What's, What's feeding into why we are so anxious so oftentimes. And here's what he says. There's three things that often drive our worry. If you want to fill it in, the, for, the first is that we often store up the wrong kind of treasure. You and I, we try to store up the wrong kind of treasure. Jesus says that there are two kinds of treasure. Verse 19, there's, there's treasure on earth. There's earthly treasure. This is the treasure. He says, moth and rust destroy it. Thieves, they break in and steal. In other words, it's very temporary. Maybe think about like this. I want you to think back to 2010. How old was I in 2010? Think of your birthday that year. What did someone get you for a birthday present in 2010? Probably most of you were in elementary school, yes? Do you even remember what someone got you? And if you do, where is it now? I mean, probably in an attic or a basement. Maybe it. Went away at a yard sale, right? At, at the very best, even if you still know where it is, likely someday it will end up in a junkyard to rot and, and decay and be destroyed. Jesus says, if you try to store that kind of treasure, expect to worry. Why? Because you'll try to make temporary things last forever. It's a lesson in futility. It's a recipe for worry. And see, the the, the, the helpful part of this, it's not just material things that earthly treasure uh, defines it's it's other things right that, that, that don't last right our reputation how many of you guys are, are so worried about what other people think of you I can worry about that and and Jesus says if you if you if you treasure that if you make that your ultimate thing man I so much care about what this person thinks or this group thinks of me he says it'll lead to worry why because you guys have experienced this so what someone thinks of you that can change on a dime you you could do nothing wrong and somebody could wake up tomorrow and just decide I don't like you anymore you ever had that happen? i like, what? I don't even know what I did. It's, it's fickle. People are fickle. And so if you put your treasure there, Jesus says, expect to worry. It's temporary. It doesn't last. Here's the principle. If you want to write it down, making anything but God, your ultimate treasure will lead to worry. Making anything but God, your, your greatest treasure will lead to worry. Now, some of you guys might be thinking, okay, I hear what you're saying. That's helpful. But see, I'm, I'm kind of a different category because I don't, you know, I'm not a materialistic person. I don't care what people think of me. I don't need the latest iPhone technology, right? I, the clothes I'm wearing, I, I wore ninth grade. I'm still rocking them. Great, good for you. But, but see, that doesn't actually fix our worry because Jesus says Christianity does not equate to leading a boring, simple, uneventful uh, life. He says the Christian life is actually one where we should be going after treasure. He says, I want you to get lots of treasure. Did you see it verse 20? He says, there's this other kind of treasure, but store up for yourself treasure in heaven. It's different than earthly treasure where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is all about treasure. He says, the Christian life is one where we should be pursuing great things. And you go, well, what are these these great things? What's this, this eternal treasure in heaven? Are we all gonna be driving Lamborghinis in heaven? Probably not. I don't know. I think he has something else in mind. And he doesn't explicitly say here, but we know from the rest of the Bible, what are the things that last forever? God's glory lasts forever. God's word lasts forever. God's people last forever. And so he says, are you investing your life in those things, things that last? He says, if you do those things, expect them to last. Expect that to actually help you to fight your worry. And maybe a question to ask you if you're a Christian this morning is to simply say, Is your life about investing in God's people? Are you storing up God's word and cherishing it in your heart? Maybe this weekend is a first step to do that by being at a conference. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, I'd ask you to consider the question, what comes after the next 60 or 80 years of life? Could it be that there's something more that God has created you for to love and to follow him? And it's actually the most important question you can answer this weekend. And so Jesus, he shows us often we, we, we worry because we store up the wrong kind of treasure. That's the first thing. But notice there's this transition in verse 21. He says this very odd thing. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In essence, if you want to know what somebody believes about God, you never actually have to ask them, what do you believe about God? All you have to do is look at where they spend their time. Look at their browsing history on their phone. Look at their checkbook or their credit card statement. What are the things that they're pursuing? Jesus says, is their life full of things that bring God glory or is their life full of things that bring themselves glory? And then he transitions again, verse 22. It's almost a little bit mysterious what he's saying. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. What is Jesus saying there? He's saying this, the the things that you and I, the lamp of the body, our eyes, right? That what we choose to look at with our physical eyes actually affects our emotional and spiritual state. Let me give you an illustration. Liz and I, my wife and I, our first year of marriage, we we were renting an apartment in Emmaus, Pennsylvania, and uh, life was good, right? We had heat, thankfully. Uh, We even had air conditioning, central air. Life was good. Even Wi-Fi was included in the, the deal. But then somehow along the line, I don't know, a year into marriage, we, we thought it'd be fun during one of our date nights to say, like, what if we, like, lived in a house someday? You know, what if we, like, upgraded from an apartment to a house? What if we had more space? And, th- and so on date nights, I think it was, a, what, a Wednesday night? We would go out and, and look at, you know, on Zillow.com with us find houses, I guess. And sometimes we'd drive around neighborhoods and, like, park ourselves, hopefully not creepily, but, like, park ourselves on the side of a house and be like, what if we lived in a house like that someday? And what happened was in this process of just kind of exploring and wondering, we started to get really anxious. And we started to ask questions like, what if when we go to actually be able to buy a house, we we can't get a mortgage? Or like what if all the good homes are taken? (laughs) Right Or what if we get a house and it ends up being a really bad house and things are just like breaking all the time? And we start and I was like, where did we get so anxious all of a sudden? And I think it was because this good desire, it mutated. Why? Because I just inordinately just started looking at it and being consumed by it. It started to grow into this God thing. And it became a bad thing. And, and, and what Jesus is saying is some of us were very anxious because, right? Am I ever going to get married someday? What if, what if I don't do well on this test or... What if something terrible happens to me? Could it be the things we are choosing to look at are affecting our soul, right? Do any of you guys doom scroll on social media? You're like, I don't know why I'm still on this thing. I'm just scrolling and scrolling. And I like, I see everyone else's life and it's like picture perfect, right? The vacations and the meals and the relationship they're in and the filters with me. And my life seems mediocre at best. And it actually doesn't help me. It stirs worry because we're choosing to look at it. And so, and so if you want to write this down, right, whenever a good thing in life takes the place of a God thing, it actually becomes a really bad thing. And it causes us to worry. It pushes Jesus from the center of our life where he alone deserves to be. Maybe some questions you could ask yourself this weekend are these. What, what websites do you spend the most time looking at? And they don't even have to be explicitly bad websites. They could be really good things on one level, but you're just, you're just consumed by them. Maybe it's your fantasy football app. I'm not going to incriminate myself, but that's one for me. I just I put a time limit on it. Like I just I need to, because it can it can do something for me. Right? Who are the people that you look up to in culture or on campus? I mean, I just want to be like them. I just, man, if my life would, how much of your eyes are going toward them? Right? Where are your eyes? When nobody's looking. It affects our soul, and, and Jesus says that's part of the reason we worry. He gives us one more reason, and then we're going to transition into some maybe some practical things, but he says that you and I also worry because we try to serve more than one master. You and I try to serve more than one master. Verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and de- despise the other. And then he gives this example. You cannot serve God and money. And I think his point is simple enough, right? You you can't in the same way serve two masters equally. It just it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Either you'll love one and you'll hate the other or or, or the reverse. And I think you know, he uses the, the, the idea of money here. I think you could replace money with a lot of other things. You you, you can't serve both grades and, and, and God. You you can't serve what people think of you. And, and God, you can't serve your, your own comfort or, or entertainment or whatever you do when you're bored or you don't know what to do. And God, it just, it doesn't work. And it causes, causes worry. Whatever you set your affection on, that thing will inevitably become your master. And by implication, you and I will become its slave. And here's the saddest part about all the other things besides God that we, we make into our masters. They always overpromise us and they always underdeliver. I, I went to Gettysburg College back in the day, and you know academics were important there, as they are at most colleges. And and I remember you know thinking like if I just get the 4.0 this semester, then it's like smooth sailing. If I just do well on this test, then I'm good. I'm not going to stress out. And what would happen? You, you you get the good grade maybe, and then you're good for what a day <laughs> until the next round of tests. Does that master actually deliver on its promises? No. Doesn't mean you don't work hard. Sure, but but you can't make any other thing a master except God himself. But see, Jesus is different. He comes along and he is, actually is the master worthy of, of serving and following. And the Bible says that we've already seen that he's sovereign and he's created us for himself. And he, and he delights in us and he actually knows us through and through and, and he delivers on his promises. Real joy, real hope and wisdom and, and real forgiveness that, that takes away the stains of things that we're still ashamed of that we still struggle with. And he gives us a new identity. Friends, if if you hear nothing else, right? All these fill-ins and all the things you hear this week, if you take nothing else from this session, hear this. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus gave up his treasure so that you and I who have a debt of sin might be welcomed in, might be made new, might become rich spiritually by having a restored relationship with God. That's the foundation, That's the thing that actually helps us to fight worry. Everything else on the second half, that's just bonus. That's the cherry on top. Why is that the core? Because if God has dealt with our greatest problem, the sin that could really sink us, that could separate us from God from all eternity, if he's already dealt with that problem, why do we doubt that he will help us in all the lesser things? The thing that we actually had to be worried about, God has already taken care of through Jesus Christ. Amen? And if you get that, then you can actually start to see some of the promises that he communicates to us. And if you're here and you're like, I don't know that I believe that. I feel like I'm still figuring that out. We're really thankful you're here this weekend. And I would just encourage you to keep leaning in. Who is this Jesus? What, why, why does he say we can't worry? Why, why does he say that he, my life is secure in his hands and all these things and I can trust him? And maybe to ask yourself a question, if you're not a Christian, are the things I'm trying in my life actually helping me be more and more free from worry? Like it actually working. And if it isn't, could it be that Jesus, his words are true? And so he lays this foundation of the gospel. He shows us why we worry, but then he's going to saturate us with promises. And that's the second half. Jesus helps us to actually fight our worry. Verses 25 through 34. I'm going to give you a few principles, and then I'm going to invite my wife, Liz, up just maybe to work through something very practical. But the first principle is this. He says, if you want to be more and more free from worry and anxiety, expand your vision for life. Expand your vision for life. Verse 25, is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes. Friends, if, if, if you want to be free from worry, view life the way that God does. We've already talked about investing in, in heavenly treasure, things that last. And so if you want to stop stressing out about the, the next test coming up, maybe the one you're like, I don't even know if I should be here this weekend because Monday is coming soon. And you're, and you're just stressing out about it. Here, here's, here's a way to fight that is to say, okay, it's important to work hard, yes. Bible talks about that too. Work hard and all that you do. But I'm not going to have that be my master. In other words, I'm not going to be dictated by other people's expectations of me, whether that's my own or, or my parents or a professor or the person in the union building that you see studying in your class. You're like, they're studying. I guess I should study because I don't want to miss out on studying. None of that drives you. The Lord drives you. you say, what, what am I going to do that honors you? and you've knit me together, and you've given me my mind, and you've given me these opportunities, and so I want to do what's going to honor you. And so that means that, that if you get the A on the test, praise God, glory to God. But even if you work hard and you study, and you're like, man, I, just, I didn't do as well as I wanted to. It's not going to stop God's kingdom from moving forward, and it's not going to stop his work within you. It doesn't unrattle you, right? It, it, it actually, you can still be secure no matter how you do. So the first thing, is well, you he you see, expand your vision for life, what is life about? Is it not more than these things? That's so why I put that quote there from Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was a, a missionary um, to, to people in Ecuador back in the, the mid-1900s. He was actually uh, killed by the very people that he was trying to reach with the gospel. But before he died, this is what he said. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What a profound quote. This is a man who knew where his identity was. And he said, no matter how life goes, I'm going to serve the king. And he did. Expand your vision for life. That's the first thing. Here's the second. Understand how valuable you are to God. I love this one. Understand how valuable you are to God. Verse 26, Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. So just stop there. When's the last time you just looked up at the sky and looked at the birds? I mean, I know we're in a room right now. But today when you're walking to lunch, I want you to look up. I don't know how many birds are in Harrisburg, but maybe there's a few. (laughs) At least, hopefully. Hopefully. Right, but what does he say? They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, right? They don't have 401ks, they don't have Roth IRAs, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? That's what Jesus is saying. The, even the scavenger birds of the air that just pick whatever's on the ground, your father, God himself feeds them. He, he provides for them. And then here's Jesus' point. If you understand that, how much more valuable are you than even the birds? here's his point, he'll provide for for you. Uh, You know, if if that wasn't enough proof that, that God will provide for you, here's the greater proof. Jesus gave his life to give you life. In other words, Jesus has paid the highest price to bring you to himself, to save your life, to forgive your sins, to make you new. And why does that matter? Because We always take care of the things that are most valuable to us. It's why, if you have an iPhone or Android, whatever, you likely have a case on your phone, yes? Why? Because you're like, if I drop it, I don't want it to break because it's a lot of money. We always take care of the things that we value. And the same is true with God. He values us much more than the birds of the air. He's paid the most precious price to call us his own. How much more valuable. And it helps us to fight Worry. Here's the third thing. See the worthlessness of worry. Sometimes the Bible is just very simple to understand. See the worthlessness of worry. Verse 27, Jesus says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? It's a rhetorical question. Nobody can add a single hour to his life or her life by by worrying. You know, it's kind of like this. Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere, right? Does your worry actually accomplish anything? Remember when I was in sixth grade, I, um, I got, you know, over the overhead announcement, the day after school, tryouts for JV soccer. Okay, that, I play soccer. That's exciting. And so I was going to try out for the soccer team and sign the waiver or whatever. And then I, as I was getting in my mind ready to do this, I hear these other kids in class, the popular guys in school, that they're going to go and try out for the soccer team this week too. And you know what happened in my mind? I got so worried about what these other people at school were going to think of me if I tried out for the team and got cut. You know what I did? I never went out for the team. You know what happened? I never made the team. Showed those guys. It was worthless. Absolutely worthless. My worry accomplished nothing. Actually accomplished a lot of bad things. and didn't accomplish anything good. Maybe some Penn State people in the house will appreciate this 2019 study at Penn State. This is what they found out about worry. They, they found out. I don't know how they figured this out. You can look for yourself. 91% of the things that you and I worry about, they never come to fruition. They never even happen. And yet doesn't worry, make this promise that it, it makes us feel like we're in control. If I can just think enough, maybe plug for Tory session later, overthinking. If I can just kind of over, just, if I can, then maybe somehow I can fix the outcome. And Jesus says, it, it, it never does anything. doesn't mean we don't plan, but God is the one in control. You can trust that he will lead you and that he'll provide for you. That's the third thing. Here's the fourth, celebrate how God has adorned you. Celebrate how God has adorned you. Verse 28 through 30. He says, why do you worry about your clothes? Anybody struggled what they should wear this weekend? What am I going to wear? I can can worry about that. How much should I pack? We overpack. I don't know. See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and thrown into the fire tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you? of you a little faith? If you're not familiar with Solomon, Solomon was David's son. So we're talking about David this weekend, Boaz and Oba, and then David. Solomon is David's son. Solomon, what he's really known for in the Bible, he 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 was a wise man. He wrote the book of Proverbs, a lot of it. But he was ridiculously wealthy. I mean, the man made Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos look like I don't know. Solomon, wrote up here, okay? The man's walk-in closets had walk-in closets, like you know, like that's the kind of wealth this guy had. And yet, what Jesus says, not even Solomon, like. He couldn't even clothe himself as, as beautifully as one of the flowers of the field, which, by the way, is beautiful one day, and then tomorrow just, it just dies. And Jesus' point is this, that you and I have been adorned. God has made us beautiful. He's, he's gifted us. He's knit us together, especially each and every one of us. You look around the room, we're all different looking, and we all have different gifts, and that's amazing. That's, a, that's an awesome thing of the Lord. I mean, I, I was in the room just, what, 20 minutes ago, listening to some of you guys sing. You, some of you have incredible voices. And, you, and you, you, like you can harmonize. And I'm like, I just want to learn how to do that someday. And, and it's just, you're like, I don't know. I just, I just sing and it comes out. And it's like, that's, God has adorned you. That's a gift. Some of you, your athletic ability, you just like, somebody puts a ball in your hand and you're like, whoop. And it just goes in a hoop. And you're like, I don't know. That's a gift from God. And, and it's to be cultivated. And it's just, that's. God has richly adorned you. Some of you, you walk into a room like this and you can kind of tell, you're like, that person's sad and they're struggling and that person wants to have good news. And nobody's told you, you just, you're intuitive. You have like emotional intelligence. That's a gift from God. God has richly adorned you. And I don't say those things to like puff up our ego. like oh, But I say this because it's true. God could have made us very average and very plain and very all the same and all, you know. And, but no, he's, 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 he's creative. And how does that help with worry? Because here's why if it should, it should lead us to give thanks to our creator and give thanks to our God. And you, it's very difficult to be thankful and anxious at the same time. Because when you're thankful, you're, you're looking upward and you're, you're looking outward. It's not even about you. When you're anxious, often you're consumed by, by yourself. And so here's my, here's my encouragement to you. Maybe as you walk the town, maybe when you have some free time this afternoon, spend a minute or two and just write down in your packet, man, this is something I'm thankful for to God. And if like struggling even for yourself, this is something I'm thankful you're doing in somebody else's life that I know. Maybe that shared some, something with me. And as you do that, it'll actually help you to more and more escape the cycle of worry. That's the fourth thing. Here's the fifth. We'll keep moving. Trust that God knows your needs better than you. Trust that he knows your needs better than you. I'm just running right to verse 32. He says, the pagans run after all these things, right? Clothes and food and all the things we stress out about. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. I say this cautiously because I know there's We all have our different experiences with stress and anxiety. But could it be sometimes we're so anxious and stressed because actually at the root of it, we're actually very prideful that we think we know better than the God who can see past, present, and future. And and he says, your heavenly father already knows what you need. Later on in the Bible, Romans chapter 5 says this, that while we were yet sinners, right? While we had a great need, what did God do? Christ died for us. Even before we asked God to help us, even before we knew we needed help, God already provided. Why will he not provide for the lesser things in life? God knows what we need. We can trust that if something is good for us, he will not withhold it from us. God knows our need. That's the fifth thing. Here's here's the last thing I'm gonna invite my wife up to share. Know that no one day is overloaded with trouble. No one day is overloaded with trouble. I'm getting that from verse 34. Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Why does Jesus say don't worry about tomorrow? Because God has not given you and I the grace for that day yet. He hasn't. He hasn't. He's given you the grace and the strength and the wisdom for today. You know, we already saw the Penn State study. It says that 91% of the things we worry about never come to pass. Or as that that quote at the top of your your outline says, the philosopher Michel de Montaigne, I think I'm pronouncing that right, says, my life has been full of terrible misfortunes, most of which never happened. It's a picture of worry. But here's my question. What about the other 9%? Only 91%. There's, there's another 9% of things that we worry about that actually happen sometimes. And they're really can affect us and, 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 and they're difficult. And, 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 and when that stuff happens, what do, what do we do? And here's my maybe verse 34, how it helps. If we actually knew it was coming tomorrow, none of us would want to get out of bed. Like imagine somehow, won't happen, but imagine I told you somehow you could peer into the future, just 24 hours. And tomorrow you've, you've learned that you were going to break your leg. You just, it was, you can't change it, but you're going to break your leg. Would any of you even show up at breakfast tomorrow? You're like, I don't even to get out of bed. Like maybe the building's just going to collapse on me. Like, how is my leg going to break? I don't even want to do tomorrow. But isn't that what we do when we worry? We're like, all these bad things are going to happen. And I'm so, i I'm, I'm stressed out about this. And, and even if it happens, you're like, God hasn't given you the resources for that yet. He's called you to live today. And then tomorrow, he'll give you the resources you need for that day. That's why I put uh, Lamentations 3. I don't know if it made it onto your outline. You can write it down. Lamentations chapter 3, the author says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Listen to this. They are new every morning. It's like Panera Bread, right? You never get day-old bread at Panera. You never get day-old grace and wisdom and strength of God. It's always fresh. New every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And so no day is overloaded with trouble. He will give us the grace we need for the moment that we're in. So let me wrap it up and, and invite Liz up here. Jesus says we, we, we worry hey, come on. because we, 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 we pursue the wrong kind of treasure. Right? We take our eye off of Jesus. And, and so he helps us to, to, to refocus our eyes, to refocus our heart on him, and to know that he uh, and his heavenly father provide for us. And so Liz is going to share an example from our own life of how to work through this. So on page 22, you notice there's kind of some fill in the blanks. That's really meant for you not to maybe fill in now. You can take notes. But maybe some point later this weekend, sometimes it feels like worry, and it's like everything I'm anxious about. And sometimes it's actually a few things. And so this is a way to to tease that out and to work through it. So,
1: Yes. Uh, Just as a background, too, I can pinpoint when I started. Like, I have a vivid memory when I was three years old of worry, just worrying about, um, and my stomach started to get sick, and I couldn't even eat. And so different seasons of my life, worry has showed up differently, Um, whether it's actually been panic attacks. This past year, we've been through um, a deep road of suffering, or just worrying about a test when I was in college. So I have been on the array. And if anyone wants to talk after this session, I'd love to, to talk to you more Um, and share more of my story or hear yours or questions that you might have. But let's work through the exercise um, on page 22. Uh, The worry that came that I'm facing right now um, is basically I got a text from a friend saying, hey, I need to talk to you about something. What do you mean you need to talk to me about something, right? Um, And so I realized I was worried about, am I in trouble with this person Or did I do something relationally wrong was what I was um, worried about. And I kept ruminating on this. And then point B, identify how you express your anxiety. Pallison gives us a list of how this might play out. Tension headaches, obsessive thoughts, escaping to food or entertainment, panic. Um, For me, how this showed up was obsessive thinking Mm -hmm. that, I was like playing scenarios in my head. Okay, how did I interact with this person over the last few weeks? What did I say? What did I do? Um, and I would rehearse them in my head and I'd kind of be out of it with our family. Like Brian would be like, Liz, what are you doing? And I'd be in my own thoughts. I also can't usually sleep or I have my stomach feels pretty, you get it in your body too. It's pretty amazing how we're connected, how God has made us. Um, And so he says, say, okay, so why am I anxious? Number one, I want and crave and expect relational peace. Like for me, my ideal is when all of my relationships are like calm water (laughs) and that there's no rocking. And I fear losing honor or I fear being shamed in relationships. And so point D, uh, connect a promise of Jesus to your anxiety So I think when Brian was talking about being adorned um, or dressed like one of these, or even later on we see seeking his righteousness, it gave me actually courage in this situation because what I realized was Christ, my eternal reality is that I am righteous before God. Nothing can change that. Like I have peace with God, and that's how he views me. And so even if I did something wrong, my reputation in Christ is secure. Nothing can change that. And so when I went into the conversation, I realized, too, I also was tempted to, like, justify myself and be like, I wasn't wrong. This is how I was right. But if I'm in Christ's righteousness, I actually don't need to keep myself safe because Christ has kept me safe, that he is my defender, Um, Lastly, too, it gave me hope that we would be reconciled because Brian had mentioned earlier that in some ways we were at war with God, right? And he, um, now we're not, I have peace with God, and therefore I can pursue peace with my brother or sister in Christ. And so thankfully it ended well and we had a good conversation. Sometimes it hasn't, though, for me, and I actually still have some relationships that are a bit rocky. Um, but I can rest and keep going back to it. I don't know about you. I think, oh, it should be once and done. Mm-hmm. Like once I know the promise of God and connect it to my heart. No, it's like I'm continually, instead of ruminating on these obsessive thoughts, I'm ruminating now on God's promises. Um, lastly, talk to your father. Sometimes it's, I get so caught up in my head, I forget, oh wait, like instead of thinking about these things, I can actually just start talking to God, mm-hmm. right? Because um, he cares and knows our needs, even more than I do. And so a prayer that I wrote out, uh, really basic, is I'm super anxious. I don't like guessing at what I did, Lord. What if I did something foolish? Um, Thank you that you say I'm righteous. I'm right with you. And so I don't need to worry about tomorrow. And this doesn't have to be a perfect prayer, but it's a means to communicate with our perfect Savior. So this is kind of just one small vignette of my life, and, and how this exercise has helped me, but I thought the questions were really great. So
0: no. thanks. Yeah, thanks for sharing, babe. Um, so that's that's for you that you can use that if that's helpful to work through. You could share it with a friend, maybe that you're trying to help through their anxiety or worry. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's been helpful for us even as we've we've worked through some of it. If you guys want to write this down, uh, I don't have this on your outline, I don't think, but First Peter chapter five verse seven. It came to mind this weekend, actually, as Clint was talking last night. Um, it says this, cast all your anxiety on him, on God, because he cares for you. And friends, that's, that's really it. I mean, the, the fact that God has come close to us, like he, he knows exactly the things that we are most anxious about. And he, he doesn't just say, you know, figure it out. Come on, like this is the 30th thousandth time. You're, he, he comes close to us and he draws near and he invites us to draw near to him. He's sought us that we can seek him. And so I would encourage you, cast your anxiety on the Lord. He really does care for you. So I'm gonna pray that he would help us to believe that, to help that to get down even deeper this weekend. And I think I'm gonna pray for lunch as well because I think that's the next thing they are heading to. But thanks for coming. I hope it's been helpful for you guys. Let's, let's pray. God, thank you that you are a God who sees uh, and God, you are a God who knows. Uh, you know where we, uh, where we struggle. We, you, you know the thoughts and the emotions that consume us, even the ones that, that are, are difficult to put words to um, or to share with others. God, thank you that, that, that you know us and that you love us. Thank you that you invite us to just cast, to throw our anxieties on you because you really do care for us. God, I pray that, that, that the people in this room, including myself, would not try to bear the burden of, of worry and anxiety on our own. God, it can crush us, Lord. But I pray that we would run to you, that we would set our eyes on you, that, that you would become even greater and more delightful and, 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 a, and a bigger treasure for us. Would you help us to pursue you uh, the rest of this weekend and even going into the week as it starts back up? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.